0: Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash over the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And it's original versus remake time again. Yet again. Yet again. We are here to discuss <laughs> an original and a remake, just as the title suggests. And if you don't know that by now, then welcome, you're new. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this month, we are going to be diving into one of those films that was very obscure and randomly got a remake. I don't I don't get I mean it's just completely random it didn't need remaking, but it ain't as bad as so many of us so it sort
1: of came at the tail end of the remakes it's so it. I think that they did the obvious choices and then sort of like well okay what else can we <laughs> yeah. remake?
0: But it's a premise that lends itself to a very good formula yes uh, and I think it's that's true how they got four films out of it we were true. of course talking all things the stepfather. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The stepfather.
0: Uh, we'll start with some poll results. You guys voted 89%. Uh, 89% of you voted for the original and 11% voted for the remake.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean. <laughs> Everyone's entitled to their opinions. <laughs> yeah. 89% of you were correct. <laughs> so let's get into it by discussing *The Stepfather*, released in nineteen eighty-seven, one of the best years ever for horror. You think? Nightmare on Elm Street three. Uh huh. Lost Boys, Howl' this. You know. It goes on. Nice. It does. It does go on longer, but I didn't. But I know it is the best. <laughs> you know it's the best genre for, for horror. horror because everything has that look and feel about it. Except for this, actually, this actually doesn't have that look and feel about it, and that's why it works. Um, well, it, it, it it's giving
1: made for um TV energy, yeah. which I really like, and it kind of could have been a made for TV film if it wasn't for the ultra violence. Yeah, because it it's definitely TV movie of the week. Stepfather mm-hmm. kills his family. Um, they probably would have had it for monetary gain. Um, I I can see it now, starring Tori Spelling yeah. as the daughter who manages uh-huh. to kill him. You know, I can see it. Um, so it is that kind of weird energy that it gives off. Yeah. I I know that's strange to say, but it's
0: it's giving TV movie of the week, but it, mm-hmm. it's
1: a, a proper horror film.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, also in 1987, we've got House 2, The Second Story, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, Evil Dead 2, Doom Asylum, Creep Creepshow 2, Blood Rage, Blood Diner. Oh, good year for horror. Very good year for horror. Um, <laughs> Near Dark, Necromantic. Oh, wow. The in- Monster Squad. Bloody
1: hell. Never ending. Prince
0: of Darkness. Yeah. And return to horror high. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, going to say any We've shit got ones? fucking slumber party massacre two, silent night, deadly night two, stage fright. You know that is that is a hell of a year for for horror. Mm. A lot of it being sequels. Um, mm. This was definitely uh, well. I don't even know if this was made with sequels in mind. I mean, it got sequels, but I don't know if that intention was there, considering how it ends.
1: But I think by 1987, the whole um, pulling shit out of your ass to get a sequel, wow. <laughs> kind of, you know, is this is very close to, um, oh no, or is it? No, no, this is very close to Freddy Krueger being brought back from dog piss. Yeah, you know. it's... Well,
0: I mean, the third stepfather film has my favorite plot from any film ever, where they had to recast the lead guy. And their excuse was that he got plastic surgery to change his appearance. There we go. Amazing. We need to watch those sequels. It's in keeping with the theme, I suppose. (laughs) This first film is directed by Joseph Rubin, who directed Dreamscape, Sleeping with the Enemy, The Forgotten, The Ottoman Lieutenant, Penthouse North, Return to Paradise, Money Train, and more. Sleeping with
1: the Enemy is the only one that I'm familiar with.
0: Yeah, the others sound like made-for-TV films? <laughs> yeah.
1: And Sleeping with the Enemy, I think, is a very early Julia Roberts film. Yeah.
0: I feel like you can get it for a pound in CX. Yeah. You yeah.
1: yeah, I think so. It's it's given ITV, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, Joseph Rubin was initially reluctant to direct this film because he didn't want to make another run-of-the-mill slasher film. And he didn't. No. No. Because there's...
1: It's like there's a weird energy yeah, to it.
0: it's kind of closer in tone to like Night of the Hunter and Cape Fear. Films like that. But rather Ooh. than...
1: Almost black comedy at times. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. It sort of
1: teeters on the edge of comedy. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming that's deliberate.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's written by Carolyn Lefcourt. This mm-hmm. is her only film. Oh, nice email written brian garfield who did death wish death sentence hopscotch necessity the last hard man <laughs> relentless wild times legs flesh burn and an episode of tales of the unexpected it's also written by donald e westlake who did the grifters oh. payback parker point blank Ripley underground the axe ordo the hook what's the worst that could happen why me Slayground, ground the twin and more Wow! Yeah, so okay. it's no wonder it's so good. I mean,
1: yeah,
0: uh, and Donald E. Westlake based the character Stephanie on his real life teenage stepdaughter who he was having tri- trouble with at the time. Oh, okay. And this film is based on John List, a real life serial killer who, uh, yeah, inspired the film. Like the film, he killed his family in their suburban home, and went on to live under a false identity. Also similar to the film, he continued to leave the house for work to keep up appearances with his wife after losing his job. Unlike the film, List did not assume multiple identities, commit further murders, become a stepfather, or use disguises after becoming a fugitive. List did remarry, however, claiming that his first wife had died of cancer. He was finally apprehended after 18 years in hiding and died in prison custody. His profile on a television show, America's Most Wanted, resulted in his capture. And if you want to check it out, the episode is John M L List slash John Riccardi, nineteen eighty nine. Wow. Um.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised at all that it's based on a true story because, no. like I said, it's given TV movie of the week. Um. Yeah, really fascinating. Yeah. Um. It's it's weird. Um. How in America, people can go missing for so long under mm. an assumed identity. I forget. Sometimes just how big America is. Yeah. Um, For the, for the listeners, I'm a, I'm a bit of a weirdo when it comes to these YouTube mystery videos of people going missing. I, I, I don't know why, but um, I like to watch them and they're like, oh, found after 30 years. Yeah. And they're like working in a cafe in another <laughs> state. And it's like, oh, <laughs> like... <laughs> Like and they're like, oh yeah, I wanted to go missing, so I just started life somewhere else. I'm like, you can't really do that in the UK. No, could you? Because you so close. Everyone knows everyone. Else. Everyone knows everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, not quite, but you you know what I mean. Because geographically, it's so close. You pop down a shop, you'll bump into. You them, can't it's...
0: really fuck off anywhere. Uh, this was made on an unknown budget. I could not find it anywhere on the internet, but I do know that it made two point five million dollars at the box office. And got that's sequ- bad, so. It got
1: sequels, so yeah. I'm assuming it made some sort of money. Yeah, it's it's were they direct to video sequels? I'm not sure. Actually, mm. I think the third one definitely gives off that sort of vibe. I'm not sure about the second one. Though. I think if you have to pull that plot out your ass, you're definitely going straight to video.
0: Well, <laughs> I remember I owned Stepfather Two on one of the ITV DVDs. Uh, so I don't know what that says about it. its release in the UK. It's okay. like a really old ITV DVD. Um, but uh, I mean, of course, when it was released, it would have been straight to VHS. But yeah, I never watched it though. Unfortunately, and I don't know where it's gone now.
1: But, oh no, that might uh, have could been be future worth, worth five pounds m- I think.
0: wild ten should we talk about the first film? <laughs>
1: yes, let's talk about the first film. Stepfather, 1987.
0: He used to look like somebody else.
1: I have beautiful friends. I have a wonderful new family.
2: Now he blends in with everybody else. If he
1: wasn't here, my mom and I would be all right.
2: But sooner or later... I... I... <laughs> Honey, you'll leave his signature behind. He's just some crazy
1: creep, Stop it!
2: Wait a minute. Who oh, am I here? The stepfather.
1: The shocking <laughs> truth. Rated R. Now playing at a theater near you. So we open on a leafy suburb with some very fancy houses. Mm-hmm. It's giving me Haddonfield. Yeah. Um. It, it's leafy. It's a suburb. It's very quiet. People are sort of. Kind of well off.
0: Also given, massively for me, because I was obsessed with it when I was younger, mm. but definitely given goosebumps. In the uh, soundtrack okay. as well, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, oh, here's a teeny bopper terror. Um, Does until... the dog start barking? Yeah, here? exactly. <laughs> it starts barking the theme song until you see what's inside this house. And then it kind of changes it a little. So,
1: there's a man named Henry Morrison who's washing off blood in a bathroom after murdering the family he'd been living with. He then changes his appearance and puts his belongings into a suitcase. Shockingly, for any film, with a theatrical release or, or, or not, we get a bit of PNA and a right at the beginning. We do. Like, he strips off
0: and we, yeah, we see his... Will he? <laughs> Full frontal male nudity in any horror film from any era. Crazy. So rare, So shocking. Within the opening few minutes. Within the
1: opening. And, you know, he gets in the shower and he uh, goes from looking like Richard Dreyfus in Jaws to looking like Brie van der Kamp's husband in Desperate Housewives. Richard, a bit like Richard Hillman
0: from Coronation Street. Absolutely. I think that that whole storyline in Coronation Street was absolutely taken from Oh, stepfather. of course. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love uh. you, Gail! <laughs> um, it's definitely giving queer eye for the straight guy makeover as
0: well. <laughs> so they... Something I'm very glad they didn't go with. The first draft of the screenplay mm. featured flashbacks, which helped explain his uh, abused childhoods, which made him become a killer. Oh, uh, okay. So thank f- fuck they got rid of that, because I am sick of talking about it on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and... Mm.
0: Sometimes you don't need an explanation. Yeah. You, it's for, creepy. It's so creepy that so we not, don't get any explanation not, about this guy. No. He's just a fucking madman. That's as simple as that. Yeah. You know, he alludes to a tough childhood, but he doesn't say why. No. He doesn't say any. We get no backstory, and that works. It's yeah. why the original Halloween is so scary. You know, it's why even the first Terminator, before you get an explanation, this guy's just going around killing around with people with the same name. It's scary. Mm. You know, the... Killers' art motives and horror films are the scariest. And this is really good at that. Mm.
1: No, absolutely. Um, So Henry leaves through the front door of his house, nonchalantly passing the butchered remains of his family.
0: Yeah, this film's not messing around.
1: It it gets to it. I mean, it gets to it straight away. Yeah. You know, Taliwaka and the, the bloody corpses of the family. Yeah. Boarding a ferry, Henry throws the suitcase containing the objects from his former life into the ocean. Um, no, I don't, I'm not sure if it is, it is the ocean, isn't it? I think so. I get, I get confused again with ferries and stuff.
0: Slightly before that, he was whistling a song, um, which originally was going to be the Barbara Streisand song, The Way We Were, but the rights to the song were too expensive.
1: How can you whistle The Way We Were? I don't know. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> No, oh, you can. Thanks for that Thank you.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know I've got a m- good microphone. to picked it up. <laughs>
1: uh, one year later, Henry, now operating as a real estate agent named Jerry Blake in the suburbs of Seattle, has married the widow, Susan Maine. Jerry's relationship with Susan's 16-year-old daughter, Stephanie, is strained. Um Susan Maine, played by Shelley Hack. Yeah. Um, who I... <laughs> Only knew from Troll, wow. but apparently she was in one season of Charlie's Angels. I, I think I always get her confused with Shelley Long uh-huh. and think she's more famous than she is. Because <laughs> Oh, Shelley hacks in this film, and then I realize, that, oh, okay, <laughs> from Troll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we meet Susan and Stephanie as they're partaking in a leaf fight. Now, you're probably wondering, what's a leaf fight? It's a snowball fight, but with dead leaves. Yes, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Jerry buys Stephanie a puppy, which uh, still doesn't help their relationship. And I'm officially nervous for the dog, because I know where this is going, or at least I think I know where this is going. Mm -hmm. Stephanie's psychiatrist, Dr. Bondurant, advises her to give Jerry a chance, but she's sceptical of Jerry and his intentions. She's also extremely badly behaved at school and gets expelled. Um, okay, so... It kind of cuts really quickly to her fighting some random uh-huh. bond in her class. And it was giving Dawn Davenport in uh-huh. <laughs> female trouble. Do you not know uh-huh. think? Like yeah. reform schoolgirls yeah. and shit like that. I wanted more of that. Um Susan kinda doesn't give a shit about her daughter getting expelled. <laughs> Jerry is more concerned. Which just adds to Stephanie's dislike of him. She talks about leaving home or going to boarding school, and Susan is a little flippant about the whole thing, just telling her that she should give Jerry a chance. No. <laughs> she's just been expelled, and she wants to run away at 16. Yeah. like She's like, well, boarding school, or I could just leave. And she's like, oh, no, don't leave. <laughs> uh, you know, give him a chance. It's fine. I
0: mean, she... The, the way that uh, Jerry speaks about it, it gives off... And something I really liked about this character it was like, he wants this ho- whole old-fashioned American family values type lifestyle. Where he's like, oh, it's not a family without children. that like, Girls don't get expelled. And it's like, oh, my God, you're living in the Stone Age. And that's sketchy enough as it is. There's some red flags right there. It's,
1: it's that Norman Rockwell vision yeah. of a um, happy home life that... Uh, it comes along a lot in horror. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll have a few suggestions at the end, obviously, as to what we recommend.
0: Yeah, and it's just before this where he shows... Because his whole... I mean, even his job as, you know, in real estate kind of gives that sort of like, oh, well, I'll be finding the perfect family home, and so on and so on. And there's actually a really creepy scene before this where... They uh, where he takes the family around the house and he starts. He looks after their daughter whilst they're looking around, and he uh, starts telling them all about his daughter before calling her Stephanie rather than uh, rather than. We've just been talking about this film this whole time. Her name, her name is Stephanie. What's her Jill? Oh yeah, I should call. It... Oh, he, he calls, calls her Jill, Jill yeah. instead of yeah. Stephanie.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, this is definitely... When we talk about no not having a motive, I suppose this is the closest to a motive mm-hmm. for him. And it is kind of explained as well, this idea that he is looking for this perfect family and will do whatever he needs to do to protect that family unit yeah. and that image that he's given off. Um, so Jerry and Susan... They get down to business, don't they? They do. And Stephanie, um, she can hear from the next room. So, uh, what does she do
0: to drown out the noise? She puts on run Between the Raindrops" by so Pat Benatar yes. on her big headphones, as any of us would. <laughs> Susan is proper going for it, but Jerry's just there looking all like serious and evil. He's not putting any effort in whatsoever. It. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Susan. Susan is definitely a pick me girl. She is, and she definitely put too much effort into those. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She definitely slipped in the finger. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jim, o- Jim Ogilvie, Jim Ogilvy, the brother of Jerry's murdered previous wife, asks a journalist to run an article about his sister's murder in the newspaper in an attempt to find the man that killed his sister. He suspects that Henry Morrison was likely setting up a relationship with another family after secretly quitting his job three months prior to his his um, mur- murder mm-hmm. in his family. I don't know why I struggled with the word murder then, because it's going to come up a lot in this episode. But yeah, and this, this is the part that's taken from real life. Yeah. So the idea that this guy was setting... So they, they look at the map and say, well, you know, he quit his job, so he must have been going somewhere mm-hmm. within a certain geographical distance to be able to get there and back yeah. within the day, which, which makes sense. I kind of, for me, I kind of wish we would have seen that part of the film, mm-hmm. that him establishing the relationship with Susan and Stephanie... With us knowing what we knew, you know? And then her... Because she she does come across... Because we don't see that blossoming relationship and his sort of behaviour before their marriage. Mm -hmm. it Because it jumps straight into it, I just think that Susan is an absolute moron. Yeah. It's like, why is she not seeing the red flags? Why is she Mm -hmm. this, that and the other? I probably could have just done with a little bit more of that. Yeah. To sort of understand her Mm behaviour. So whilst hosting a neighbourhood barbecue, Jerry discovers the article and is disturbed by it. Jerry gives a grand speech about how he doesn't just sell homes, he sells the American dream. So it's very much in keeping with what we've been saying about his motive and his, what he perceives to be ideals, you know. Jerry goes into the basement of the house and begins maniacally rambling to himself unaware that Stephanie has also entered the basement. He uh, says to himself, We all all we need is a little order around here. And discovering his stepdaughter, Jerry brushes off his outburst by saying that he was simply letting off steam. He tells her not to worry. What he actually says specifically is, sometimes I have to get off by myself and let <laughs> off some steam. Now, I'm assuming in 1987, Get off by myself doesn't mean giving himself a treat in the well, basement.
0: <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me.
1: <laughs> Stephanie finds the newspaper mentioning Jerry's earlier killings and comes to believe her stepfather is the murderer. Because there is no photograph to accompany the article, she writes a letter to the newspaper requesting a photo of Henry Morrison. Jim is that they didn't run the photo in the newspaper, and the journalist just explains it away as not his decision, and um, I'm assuming this is to lengthen the film. It, mm-hmm. it barely gets to an hour and a half, yeah. so it, it's just kind of well, why wouldn't they run a, a photo in the newspaper? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like oh, okay, so that we can have a few extra scenes to get to that 90 minute yeah. mark. Um, Jerry intercepts the photo in the mail meant for Stephanie. And replaces it with a stranger's photo. He also hands her an incredibly thick copy of Cosmopolitan magazine. It's, it's like the Argos catalogue. Um, I didn't know magazines were that thick back in the day. Joking that he's uh, not sure if it's the kind of thing she should be reading. Um, And I thought, oh, it's not Playgirl, mate. <laughs> but then, if memory does serve me well, Cosmo does talk rather candidly about sex and relationships. So that would make sense. Yeah. That he would maybe have a little problem with cosmopolitan. Jim talks to a police officer who informs him that Henry Morrison probably has a history of this thing where he interjects himself into already established families until something happens to disrupt the happy family dynamic and he murders them. Um and that's that's an interesting part of it, and I think yeah. it brings up interesting themes because well, you know. It could have just said, well, he steals the money. He takes money out of the bank, robs them blind and fucks off after killing them. Yeah. But this kind of idea of the American dream that he believes that he's Mm -hmm. selling and the idea of him, you know, trying to establish a family unit is an interesting one. Yeah. Curious about Stephanie's stepfather, who has repeatedly refused to meet him, Dr Bondurant makes an appointment with Jerry under an assumed name, saying he wants to buy a house. During their meeting, Bondurant asks too many personal questions, and Jerry realises that Bondurant is not who he says he is, and, mistakenly believing he is an undercover cop, beats him to death and puts him in his own car, setting it on fire and rolling it down a hill. Um, he beats him with a very long plank of wood, mm-hmm. and uh, he also says before killing him with a rather long plank of wood, uh, "I want to ask you something. Are you interested in buying a house, or are you interested in me?" I, was, oh. <laughs> I may, I may have uh, made that sound a little saucier than it. Did. Well, <laughs> I mean, it is
0: ridiculous how much the two of them look like each other as well. Oh,
1: that is that was a rather confusing. And I I felt the Bondurant character was a little weird as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he maybe his relationship with Stephanie was a little strange. Yeah. Um, but you know he didn't last long enough for us to know no. either way. The next day Jerry informed Stephanie of Bondurant's death, claiming he wasn't in a car accident. And succeeds in bonding with her. And they have a lovely Thanksgiving together. They do. Just like a Norman Rockwell painting. Jerry's newfound relationship with his stepdaughter is quickly cut short. Bless. When he catches Stephanie kissing her boyfriend, Paul. Jerry accuses Paul of attempting to rape Stephanie. Which causes an argument with Stephanie and Susan. And drives Paul away. So, <sighs> Jerry says this girl is 16 years old. And Paul says, "Well, so am I." Yeah, you know, and um, Jill sh- sh- um, now, Jill Sholan. Jill Sholen was actually twenty-five <laughs> when uh, playing this role. Um, I think I don't know. It's the eighties, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone kind of—it's hard to distinguish anyone's 20s. age. Um, but there is—you know—spoiler <laughs> alert: there is a topless scene later with Jill. Yeah, which makes. This mm-hmm. kind of icky, yeah. Um, the the idea that you know she is a sixteen year old girl, and then we get some gratuitous T N A later on. But we'll discuss that when that when that happens. Um, so Stephanie runs out on Jerry and Susan because Susan slaps her and says Jerry is her father, although he is not. Um, to me, Susan's behavior is baffling. Yeah. She defends Jerry's behavior, but then says, that's Paul Baker. I've known him longer than I've known you. Yeah. Then what, then what are you talking
0: about, then? You know? I do love that Stephanie says to uh, to Jerry, just because you're crazy, demented and hung up about sex.
1: <laughs> the next, <laughs> very similar to... Uh, phenomena. <laughs> <the> phenomena. <laughs> But also this week's episode of it and just like that. So the next day, Jerry quits his job and creates a new identity for himself in another town. So he's reached his breaking point mm-hmm. and he's like, OK, next. He begins to court another widow while planning to get rid of Susan and Stephanie. Um, Susan, a very kind of funny um, exchange in the kitchen when Susan says, Jerry, we need to talk, honey. And Jerry says, about what? Susan says, uh, about what? What is happening to our family? <laughs> Jerry says, I'm taking care of it. And Susan says, by yourself? Jerry's, Jerry says, uh-huh. And leaves. <laughs> um. So he gets a job selling life. Was it life insurance? Yes. So his um disguise is aging him terribly. It is. So he puts on these massive glasses and, like, puts on a, like, a bald cap with hair around the edge, uh, around the sides. It makes it... He looks like, oh, the guy's head explodes
0: in scanners. He does, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then... I don't know why he thinks this is going to help him pick up women. Exactly. <laughs> but
1: apparently it does. <laughs> apparently he's so charming that, you know, he does pick up the widow, widow next door. After one conversation, she's smitten. Um... But when he's selling the life insurance or he's going for the job, he has a conversation with his boss about how people struggle to face the fact that they will inevitably die one day. (laughs) Which I thought was kind of funny. Um, Having discovered where Jerry is now living, Jim begins going door to door in search of his former brother-in-law. After Jim stops by, Susan phones the real estate agency to tell Jerry that someone was looking for him only to be informed that Jerry quit several days ago. So, yeah. So, this Jim character... Um,
0: a little pointless, would you say? Um, yeah, I don't... He's definitely not my favourite thing about the film. I must say that. It's... The remake tells the story fine without him there. Mm. Um, but we do get the sister character in the remake... Um, I feel like we could have maybe done with someone like that here to do the same sort of thing rather than this guy yeah. going around. Because there's, there's nothing really much to him. In a way, he kind of reminded me of the uh, guy in Final... Yeah, the Final Chapter, Friday the 13th. The uh, guy who's looking to get revenge for his sister. Mm. He kind of reminded me of that kind of character where it's like, you're probably the most forgettable thing about the film. Yeah. No to be here.
1: Because what I would have liked was to maybe have stephanie do yeah. the investigating yeah. and and cracking the uh mm-hmm. the case um but she doesn't because uh jim does after
0: uh no to be fair it's fairly pointless because yeah he kind of sets things in place but then ultimately his character doesn't really matter
1: <laughs> exactly yeah cuz uh, jim realizes jerry's true identity after he meets... Well, he knocks on the door of a couple mid-breakup. Um, the, wife, the wife thinks that he's the taxi driver. The husband thinks that he's having an affair with his wife and she's running away with him. Uh-huh. Um, and then they, they both stop their argument to uh, inform him that the dude in the photo he's been carrying did sell them their house. Yeah. So he now
0: knows who it is. He also goes to a police station and when he goes there he speaks to the camp receptionist Annie Barber played by none other than Gillian Barber the alcoholic mother from Alien Abduction if you recall <laughs> us talking about that many, 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 many episodes ago. Many episodes ago. It's strange seeing her without a glass of red wine in her hand. <laughs> if you
1: know, you know. So Susan asks Jerry... Well, what's going on, basically? Um, but while explaining himself to Susan, Jerry confuses his identities, and Susan realizes Stephanie was right about him all along. And again, I thought this was a little bit of black comedy. It's like, what?
0: Who am I? Who am I here? Yeah. And she says, Jerry. It's like, oh yeah, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, it's oddly funny, but also really creepy at the same time. I don't mm. know how they managed to pull it off. The tones in this film, like it probably shouldn't work as well as it does.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So, realising his mistake, Jerry bashes Susan on the head with the phone and knocks her down the basement stairs. Content that Susan is dead, Jerry then sets out to kill Stephanie. So, thankfully, Stephanie returns home just before Jerry is about to kill the dog. <laughs> Thank God. Um, and she gets into the shower for some gratuitous TNA.
0: Yeah, so, during an interview with the Rockstar um, Jill Schoelen, uh, said she wasn't comfortable doing the nude shower scene. She said I really wasn't. Uh, I really wasn't comfortable with it, and that was the only movie I've ever been naked in. I remember talking to the director about it, and he talked me into why there was importance to it. And I get that it wasn't about the sex. I mean, it may have been there for I don't know people out there who like that sort of thing. Uh, but I it just makes it so much scarier that there's that that it's there with nothingness, just as innocence uh, as innocent can be taking a shower and there's no idea that you know this man has just like practically killed her mother or beaten her and she's sitting and he's sitting there with a knife about to come after her. Right. And in 2020 yes that's right 2020 media Site Complex chose Jill Sholin's scene as number 8 of the 15 best topless moments in mainstream horror movies. Why are we still getting lists like that <sighs> in 2020? Yeah. I... Again, you know, the thing is, if it was sincerely because it's the whole innocence, she has no idea, she's going about a day, she's getting a shower, that's fine. You don't have to show her nude. And you know, as we always say on this podcast, actresses want to go nude. Fair play to them, go for it, show everything you want to show. But Jill Sholin said she wasn't comfortable doing it, yes. so that kind of makes it a little more uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, there's no need for her to be nude. You know. You don't
1: need to see her body no because they did exactly the same thing 27 years previously in psycho and you don't see anything gratuitous of Janet Lee, but it it works. it yeah. works so well so they could do the same thing without having to show yeah. the full nudity that the actress was uncomfortable with. also this is in terms of the film a 16 year old girl. yeah regard, I understand you know, they wouldn't get a Mm 16-year-old girl because, you know, (laughs) they wouldn't be allowed to work late and all that business. So I understand that actresses play younger. Mm -hmm. I get it. But it's still uncomfortable within the context of the film. Yeah, And, you know, and with the actress being uncomfortable with it and it not really serving a purpose, whereas I found that the nudity at the beginning of the Mm. film kind of served more of a... Yes, it it was a shock. And I'm what's his name, Terry O... Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn, you know, hasn't come out and say that he was uncomfortable with mm-hmm. it. I'm assuming, an, uh, you know, an actor in 1987 could basically turn around and say, no, I'm not going to do yeah. Full Frontal, you know, and, and they would be fine with that. Um, They wouldn't recast. Um, But for, I felt that that scene was almost like a rebirth. He was yeah. washing off the bloods mm-hmm. And he was going to go forward yeah. with his new identity. Whereas this, it's... It, the film doesn't benefit from it whatsoever.
0: No, and it's its one of those where... Uh, it's the one scene a lot of people talk about. And when you look at trivia online, it's predominantly stuff about this nude scene. Mm. But it's like Terry O'Quinn gets his cock out in the exact same film. But literally, that shocked me. Because even after I did my research... No one spoke about that. No, no one spoke about it whatsoever. Well, it's it's like when we spoke
1: about wild things. Mm. Yes, you know, Kevin Bacon. People did talk about it, but not as much as Denise no. Richards' topless scene. You know, and that, that's always been the case. Yeah, and unfortunately, that always will be. And we are, you know, positive about nudity in film. We would never say, you know, there's not a place for it. Mm-hmm but just in the right way yeah. where everyone's comfortable with it mm-hmm. and getting a good payday as well for it. Yeah. So Jim arrives wielding a revolver, <laughs> but <laughs> kind of pointlessly. Um, well, no, I suppose not pointlessly. Um, no, the, the gun comes, the gun comes in, in handy, handy yeah. just not for Jim because, yeah. uh, Jerry stabs him to death before he can do anything. Really? Uh, Jerry says next time, Jim call cool, before you drop by. <laughs> Thank you, Freddy Krueger After terrorising Stephanie He corners her in the attic Only to fall through the weak floor Down to the bathroom Susan shoots Jerry twice When he tries to attack Stephanie And Stephanie stabs him in the chest Um I just have in my notes About time Susan did something Yeah It's about fucking time I also find it interesting I don't know if I'm overanalyzing The idea that his undoing Was um, I'm assuming his shoddy DIY work oh yeah his vision of man and woman mm-hmm. within a happy home the woman does the cooking and cleaning and he does the stuff around the mm-hmm. house Um, he clearly forgot or did a bad job of the attic and that was ultimately his undoing and I, I think that's interesting I don't I, I'd I, like to feel it, it was deliberate yeah. but I, I do you know I think his comeuppance is very much in keeping with the themes of the film. Mm-hmm. Um Jerry weakly utters, uh, I love you, and tumbles down the stairs. Stephanie later cuts down a birdhouse she and Jerry had built during the time they bonded. And that is The Stepfather oh, yes. 1987.
0: The Stepfather complete with a girl boss ending.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true, actually. Which I
0: appreciate. I really, really love this film. It was, uh, yeah, first time watch for both of us. And it was one of those where, like, I honestly, there are a lot of times where I forgot to look at my notes because it was so intense. Yeah, I, I think it worked really well. Um, It felt a little different.
1: You know, yeah, we've watched a lot of slasher films here. Yeah. We've watched a lot of horror films. And I didn't, I wasn't sure if anything was going to make it stand out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think it did actually yeah. I think the performances were great um, I thought the atmosphere was great I liked the look of it um, I thought it was interesting it, it, It's kind of a story we haven't seen too many times Really up until 1987 Yeah um, Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it Yeah, I think it was a, a, a lot to, to like about it Yeah,
0: absolutely Moving on to the remake, The Stepfather, released in 2009. Now, very uh, on topic of what we were just talking about, uh, about the way people view nudity in films and such, this is an exact piece of trivia I pulled off the internet. off IMDb. Excuse me. <laughs> um, the original, word for word, the original R-rated 1987 movie featured a young stepdaughter and a nude scene where she took a shower. The PG-13 remake changed it to a young stepson but no nudity. Guys, didn't need to mention that. Did not need to mention that's completely unnecessary. There's also a lot of bloody violence in the original, you know. Mention that. Is this trivia... Where's this trivia from? IMDb.
1: I love IMDb trivia because... And I love that how you can say if it was useful or not. Uh, yeah. Because uh, sometimes the trivia would be like, Oh, the star of this film is fifth cousin twice removed yeah. through a, a, a marriage... To uh, Catherine Hepburn, who who happened to star in a film with the word wedding in.
0: How (laughs) incredible. (laughs) What? Seriously? Just stretch. (laughs) The sooner IMDb goes extinct, the better. Let's just let's oh, stick, let's stick to letterbox. No, Come I love on. it. No, Letterboxd is love... better. Oh
1: no, you don't get trivia on letterbox. You, not yet. Not yet. As soon as they introduce you it has a feature. Snarky opinions, and we, uh, my favorite thing with IMDb is that I don't look at I don't look at the reviews. And if you did, you'd realize
0: why IMDb is so toxic. Oh, okay. <laughs> or maybe there's a certain demographic uh, that uses IMDb. And it explains why uh, that Saving Freedom or whatever the fucking shitty right wing film that's released in America.
1: Oh my God, the QAnon film. Freedom, yeah.
0: It explains why that has like a 7.9 or an 8.9, something stupid like that.
1: Tristan Believe, true story. Gary, Cruz, I'm sorry, I'm calling you out. Spilling the tea on the podcast. You heard it here first. Turned to me and said, have you heard about this? uh, What's it called? can't even remember. Freedom. 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 film. And uh, I was like, oh. And he's like, oh, it's, got, oh, it's got, got really high rated. Yeah. And it's uh, really doing well at the box office. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And, like, I did my research. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's like the
0: action equivalent to Saving Christmas or whatever the fuck that was called. Kind of. But also,
1: like, assuming that Democrats are paedophiles. Yeah.
0: That's a rant for a different day. Yeah. Um. So, the stepfather remake is directed by Nelson McCormick, who directed brace yourself, the prom night remake. Ooh, my favorite. Evil, Prison Break, Daredevil, just some episodes of that. The Rookie, Criminal Minds, House, MD, ER, Homeland, The Good Wife, Twenty Four. So a lot of TV. It shows. Yeah. Although I yeah love, I love The Good Wife. Um. Written by J. S. Cardone, who again prom night remake. Also did The Covenant, The Slayer, Black Day, Blue Knight, Shadow Hunter, The Scarehold, The Marksman, True Blue, Alien Hunter, and more. Budget, $20 million, and it made $31.2 million at the box office. Oh, Now, I don't know what difference it makes, but today we are discussing what the DVD case describes as. The extreme director's <gasps> cut version. Oh my god. Honestly don't know what the fuck they are talking there's nothing extreme Uh, so yeah let's get to our second feature presentation we're going to put this family back together father and son stepfather stepfather
2: what would you do if there was a stranger in your home he's starting to creep me out what if you believed he is not what he seems get a good match of his ID
1: he's hiding something how far would you go things are
2: going to change around here to protect your family did you hear that the stepfather PG thirteen
0: in a suburban Utah house. Yes, we're in Salt Lake City. Hey, this film like goes through. <laughs> it it mentions about three different real housewives <laughs> it locations. Does. It does, and there's some real housewives vibes going oh, on. Oh, don't film. even, don't even. Grady Edwards transforms himself in a bathroom. We don't get to see any Willy this time around, though. He shaves off his beard, dyes his hair, and removes his brown contact lenses. And as he leaves the house, the camera reveals the bodies of his wife and the three children at Christmas while Silent Night plays. In the classic tradition of remakes, having to do more to let us know this is a horror film. Yes. Because, I mean, you know, the contact lenses is one step extra. The soundtrack, No, I had contact lenses in the original. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, but the soundtrack in the original is like a little bit goosebumpsy, you know, a little bit made for TV. But then this, like, so, boom, you're in a horror film immediately. Here's that generic soundtrack you're in every 2000s horror film. It's true, and then also you have to have close ups of, of the, the dead corpses. kids. Yeah.
1: And it's oh, okay, yeah,
0: as the police investigate in a CSI style sequence. It is said that another family was murdered in a similar manner in New Jersey not long ago, which causes them... He's going through all the housewives. He's the housewife's murderer. Oh my the housewives God. housewives killer.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Someone write that film, please. wait they get Cheshire. If anyone from Bravo is listening, write that film.
0: And get, I'm surprised or, they haven't. Get Lisa Barlow to act in this well. <laughs> Um yeah, so the similar manner in New Jersey not long ago, which caused them to believe there is a serial killer on the loose. One of the cops says if this guy did it, he (laughs) about now we get to see the father of one of the families really distraught and trying to get to his family. And she's like, If this guy did it, he deserves a goddamn Academy Award. It's so CSI. It is... Really, it looks exactly like it. The editing and everything. Like, it is so obvious these guys work in TV. But that's the thing. But CSI was fucking huge in America. But, like,
1: worldwide. But in America, it was, like, the number one Mm -hmm. TV show. And, you you know, it takes a while for um, horror films to catch on sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To that aesthetic. Uh Susan Harden, a recently divorced Oregon housewife, is was there real housewives in No. no. Don't think so. oh. no. This way no. went wrong with this one. Uh it's she's shopping in a grocery store with her youngest children where she meets Grady, who introduces himself as David Harris and claims that his wife and daughter were killed in a car accident. So she has two other kids in this one, Sean and Beth. Because um, again, Need to do more? Yes. More is more. It's a more remake. More more. Susan, desperate for love, is charmed by David, and she rushes into an engagement to be married in less than six months. Susan's eldest son, Michael, returns home from military school and is immediately suspicious of his mother's fiancé, uh, his mother now rocking a very Lisa Renner
1: hairdo. Oh, my God. It's Lisa Renner's hairdo. Lisa Rinna had it for 20 years Uh Celia Ward had it for one film
0: yeah it was actually rumoured that the original drafts of the screenplay included the Stephanie main character being reintroduced however Jill Sholin having retired at this point was not approached for a reprisal of the role because they thought she wouldn't say yes Kimberly J. Brown was a considerable candidate for recasting Stephanie along with Nev Campbell or Courtney Cox taking over the role of Susan oh okay However, the development of the story met several changes. Wait, the mum? Yeah. What? Shelly Hack? Yeah. You're way too old. I know, it's a bit rude. <laughs> <laughs> However, the development of the, uh, of the story met several changes, and these ideas were dropped in favour of the final product of Agenda Swap. I hope I just got that mixed up. Because that is very rude. That Both does sound... And Courtney Cox. That sounds... Let's that's, that's assume that they were supposed to play Jill Shovlin. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Not the Shelley Hack character. <laughs> you know, with all due respect to Shelley Hack, I mean, there's quite an age difference yeah. there. That that would be very strange indeed.
0: Yeah. Also hilarious that these filmmakers thought they were going to get them in this film. I know, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it is a gender swap, and it's an unnecessary one at that. Yeah.
1: Um, so, I just have in my notes the Lisa Rinna haircut just to go back a minute. Do you, this is giving Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin <laughs> and uh, Harry Hamlin's alleged secret. <laughs> Do you not think? Yeah. Uh, which I will not say on this podcast
0: because I will not get sued. David uh, invites Michael down to the basement. Oh, Speaking of that, rumor, I know. Where he is... <laughs> where he has not inst- <laughs> where he has installed locked cabinets and tries to befriend him over tequila shots now michael is fucking annoying i hate he Michael. he is the perfect picture of what everyone thought was attractive in 2009 his perfect abs perfectly handsome you know he's just everything that every girl wanted back then and he is fucking annoying just moans the whole fucking film. Like, I mean, whose side am I meant to be on here? It, it, it's
1: obnoxious. I, I find his character and his girlfriend a really obnoxious. And th- your little trivia from IMDb about the no nudity. Mm. I mean, he's in his fucking shorts or... Yeah. You know, he's topless. Uh-huh. Like 80% of his screen time. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, it may not be the same, but it's still you know, and um, his girlfriend played by Amber Heard, they're both sort of in a state of undress for a lot of the film.
0: Yeah. I honestly feel like the filmmakers may have made this for the girls and the gays. They They really show his abs a lot. And I mean a lot. Like, I mean, even more than we get to see Kelly's uh, bikini. Kind of like but I su- the I su- whole tone of it as well. Just kind of feels like, I, don't, I think it's the made for TV side to it that mm. I'm picking upon. But like even like highlighting the mum a little more. I wouldn't say the film is necessarily camp, but it kind of feels like this. This is this wasn't made for straight men. <laughs> I I suppose a draw is
1: uh, his name has been Pen what's his name is it the guy the guy who plays him from uh, michael
0: pen Badgley.
1: yeah so he, that this is gossip girl time yeah so him being in the film would be a big deal yeah so that would bring in your gays and your girls
0: uh-huh. so
1: yeah i would say you're you're correct in that one mm. and then amber heard's there for the straight guys yeah uh,
0: also amber heard controversial figure we have no idea what's going on so we didn't follow the whole thing, but um yeah. The, the least said about that the better. Yeah, probably best thing. Yeah. I mean if if it helps it's a shit performance. So yeah. <laughs>
1: it is actually. It is. That did, it does help when someone that you are not a fan
0: of um but we it's don't know. It, that whole situation is so fucking weird and complicated. Like, I, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to start first with it. Uh, trust
1: and believe, uh, I'm not exactly a fan of Johnny Depp. so No. I, I, it's, yeah. No. I don't think it's for us to comment on. Yeah,
0: it seems like they both did a lot of fucking extreme toxic, weird shit. Yes. Yes, definitely. But yes... We won't be discussing that Anyway we're here to discuss The Stepfather 2009 (laughs) Which coincidentally stars her In a a terrible performance Um, That night Susan and David Start getting it on And Michael reaches For his headphones And you're like Oh Is he uh, Gonna put on a bit of Pat Benatar No of course he fucking doesn't He puts on Safeway By Fearsome Engine Engine spell E-double-N-J-I-N
2: Ah Fearsome, oh, spelled
0: F W E R S U M. This film is full of generic rock songs from this era.
1: Yeah, that sort of pop rocky, pop rock emo, emo definitely moments
0: yeah. that happened. But no one that's actually big enough to take any notice. Of.
1: No, no, it's it's true because you usually get one known song. Yeah
0: like House of Wax said My Chemical Romance yeah Daredevil Evanescence you know this era of films was full of soundtracks like that but this one is kind of like the only the one thing I remember from because I watched this one first when it first came out when I, when I didn't even know it was a remake um, and the one thing I remembered was that cover of Happy Together it ended up on the awful Happy Together cover, cover. and it's kind of like I always felt like it was someone I knew but mm. it turns out it's, it's definitely not no <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's there's not really much. To do, speak do we to do, do we think we should bring back uh, new metal emo soundtracks in horror films? Yeah. Action films. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best things about Mission Impossible too. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a happy medium somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, Malignant did it with the way they used uh, Where Is My Mind for the score, and it kind of made it into like a new metal, like heavy version. Did they? Yeah. Do you not remember? I probably do. David starts getting irritated... It's somewhere in, the, in my brain. <laughs> David starts uh, getting irritated around the house. First of Sean, whom he tries choking when he has his TV too loud, playing Burnout on PlayStation.
1: Yes, Burnout. Um, FYI, what's his name, Sean? Yeah. Sean looks exactly like Coconut Head from Ned's Declassified Survival Guide. If anyone is familiar with Ned's Declassified Survival Guide, you know how fucking hilarious that is, the fact that the sun looks just like Coconut Head.
0: Or for our younger audiences, Will from Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, of course! <laughs> who looks just like Coconut yeah. Head.
1: Oh, of course! Yes. Yeah, that hair, That fucking fryer
0: took. Yes, Will, do. who is officially on our team. Oh, lovely. Yeah, well done him. Um, what, in, the, in the World <laughs> Cup? What, what no, no, Noah Schnapp came out as game this year. Good for him. Um, so yeah, first with Sean, he tries choking him, and then he uh he's not very happy with Michael and Kelly for PDAing in the swimming pool. Neither was and I. No one is. Like, stop no. it. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Stop. They are practically fucking in front of the parents. They're constantly... like, come on. like they never leave each other's faces, the whole <laughs> film. They're
1: at it's each like, other. Get
0: off. <laughs> I mean, they, technically they are, but <laughs> um my David does say to uh, to why have I forgot the mum's name? Oh my god, I'm terrible. Susan. She says to Susan, do you think it's a good idea that they're getting so passionate at their age? What, the fucking thirties? Yeah. Like, uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're uh, 23. <laughs>
1: 23. Huh? But I think the character was meant to be like, post-college. So like... just got back from military school. Yeah, I 20s. I so like, I, I feel like he was old enough to also, Drink.
0: isn't that such a weird idea in America, that when a kid, people's kids piss them off, they shove them off to military school? Like, it was a big thing in Bill and Ted as well, like the whole thing that he was constantly going to send into military school. Do you think we've got the equivalent here? I don't think so. No. Do you remember
1: the TV show Bad Lads Army? No, I do not. What the fuck do is you that? Do not? It sounds like <laughs> porn. It's not porn. <laughs> But it's when, like, it was from the 2000s and it's when Chavs were for where well, they weren't forced, but they went on to this show where they went through, like, World War One and Two training. And then you would just get old men saying, yeah, that's how it was back in our day. Yeah, sounds, like a, right. sounds like a prequel to Dad's <laughs> <It> Army. <laughs> but,
0: prequel? <laughs> um,
1: but, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I was entertained. Anyway, uh, Susan's ex... <laughs> Surely someone else watched
0: it. it was on ITV. I've, I've never heard of this before. No, okay. Susan's ex-husband Jay arrives to collect the kids, and they, uh, they trade insults. Jay's breaking up with his new girlfriend, and he's like, yeah, well, at least she kept bit of care of herself. It was New York. Oh, sorry. I thought it was John um, And Susan informs... And Susan's like... Uh, and he's like... Uh, oh, yeah, you're going to go to my replacement? And then she's like, uh, that's not very John DeVore, actually. <laughs> Sandy! And, and Susan's like, uh, well, uh, I can't replace you if you're not missed. So, oh! What about it, Sturt? Uh We learn that Susan has a cat allergy after Mrs. Cutters, her neighbour, who owns a lot of cats, comes over to warn her that America's Most Wanted ran a profile on a serial killer who looked like who looks like David. Isn't that a weird thing, the whole Catwoman like, theory? Women with loads of cats or spinsters. Maybe they just like cats. Mm,
1: I. Yeah, maybe best not to get into that. <laughs> but I, th- I think sometimes the, you know, the stereotype rings a little bit true.
0: Well wow, she fucking loves if, pussy in this film.
1: Which is a bit li- bitch. You know, I would, I would um. Drop everything I have. Well, for a I'm bunch just of cats saying it in so case we second. end up with
0: loads of cats. Like I don't a, want people yeah. to get the wrong idea. Um,
1: but if you have The problem is If you have too many cats You gotta look after them a lot Yeah But you, you never get that With too many dogs What if you're What if you a, a woman A spinster with too many dogs Surely, Surely that's it the same Doesn't exist it? It Doesn't exactly. exist Exactly
0: um,
1: But yeah what, what, Can I ask a question Yeah Why would Mrs. Cutter Mrs. Cutters uh, Go to Susan with this information to Fucking save her life yeah, but wouldn't you go to the police first? That's true. Like, why Why that, would that you true. go to, you know, if you think that that woman is in danger, uh-huh. why would you go and stand at the door <laughs> and say,
0: I think your husband's a serial killer? Yeah. You could just, like, um, I think this, you ring up America's Most Wanted, like, um, I, think I, think my I think this neighbor guy's the next door to this me. guy. Go check it
1: out. <laughs> why would you, but she, seemingly she never goes to the police, even after talking to
0: Susan about it. Like, what's Susan going to do? <laughs> well, Susan does, you know, the the stupidest thing, but also kind of the most obvious thing to do when a neighbour says this to you. Yeah. um, She goes straight to David and tells him all about it, whilst Michael overhears the conversation.
1: Oh, can I also correct myself there? Um, I said husband. He is not her husband. No, he's the fiancé.
0: Fiancé. Um, Which renders the title of the film completely
1: pointless. Absolutely. Spoiler alert, (laughs) they don't get married.
0: (laughs) It's not actually a stepfather, but okay. Michael and David have lunch together, and David asks Michael to be his best man. Uh, Michael's suspicions rarely start, though, when David uses the wrong name when uh, mentioning his dead daughter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there are... There are a lot of moments that stick... To the original. Yeah,
0: and I think that's where this one's better than the stuff like Prom Night and When a Stranger Calls. Well, then again, When a Stranger Calls is just the opening five minutes for, like, the whole fucking film. It is. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I think it's why this one works better. Because it's a good formula. You can't go wrong with it.
1: Yeah, and just kind of modernises it. It doesn't yeah. try to go too out there.
0: I mean... Yeah, okay. <laughs> David sneaks into Mrs. Cutter's house and throws her down the basement stairs before suffocating her. Rest in peace. Who's going to look after those cats now? Oh, no. cats. Michael and Kelly uh, have a really boring conversation about whether or not Michael is going to be David's best man before they start making out again. Yeah. So what they fucking do? They're like that couple from The Room. What's uh Oh, what's his name? yeah. Is it Mike? Like oh my god! Um, it's even got the same name as it <laughs> Isn't her name What's her name? Lisa no, Lee, no that's no, not Lisa. Lisa. It's Lisa. Susan? No, she doesn't work in a coffee shop.
1: Oh Susan works in a coffee shop. <laughs> this is terrible for the uh podcast, but I, I need to find out.
0: Well, I mean, it's terrible for the podcast that we owners of a podcast called Horror called Trash Over. Oh, I, I know every character every of the room single name of by heart. Michelle.
1: Michelle. It It is Michelle. Michelle, It is Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, Michelle and um yeah his name's Pete Steven? No. Mike? Mike. Mike.
0: Mike. Yeah, Yeah, just like Michelle and Mike, they just love to make out all the time. I wonder if they uh have any involvement with chocolate. (laughs) You think they they think chocolate's a symbol of love? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, but that took ages to get
1: to the point that really so- sincerely apologise really, to everyone really listening.
0: Useless reference as well. What? Anyway, um, hey, that's what we're famous for. David is spying on them, making out. gives like, them a jump scare, which is so scary to the point it scares Kelly off. Like Denny? Yeah, okay. you know, just like Denny. Well, no, it's Claudette and Lisa, if we're being really specific, who uh, jump scare Michelle and Mike. Yeah, but. Denny's the one that creepily watches people. That's true. Okay, we're not talking about the room. Um, But when uh, David walks away, Michael is such a big man and he gives him the middle finger. Oh. Oh, all right, big boy. Calm S- down. Like crystal At dinner that night, David suggests that people might think Kelly's a slut if she keeps coming over. And Michael, with a fairly good point, is like, well, uh... Then, what do people think about my mother marrying someone she's just met? Oh, like, well, you know what? It's He's true. He's got a point. He's got a point. you're going to shame someone, then be consistent. Or just don't do it. Susan starts sneezing, almost like there's uh, cat hairs around. <gasps> oh, another piece of the puzzle. Jay confronts David angrily about laying hands on his younger son. Sean's, like, hey, we doing my son. <laughs> Hey parenting Um he warns Susan that so you've gone from John Travolta to uh, Joe Gorga. I'd never mind. He warns Susan that she knows nothing about David. And David said he did it because there's a lack of discipline in the family. Now at this point Susan should be like, Hang on, you actually tried to choke my son. Yeah. What the fuck? Get out. What are you doing? <laughs> Which she does do. Which she does do later on. In it's kind kitchen. of like that scene um uh, with Peter in the original. Where at first she sides of him, but then later on, she has a go. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, meet your mind up. Michael and Jay start bonding again, much to David's annoyance, and Susan gives David a talon off for what he did to Sean. Doubts about David mount further when he quits his job working as a real estate agent for Susan's lesbian sister, Jackie, to avoid displaying a photo ID and other forms of identification. Some great gay representation here. Uh, yeah. They don't make a big deal of it. No. And that's, that's, you know, for 2009, that's a
1: little progressive, actually. Ain't gonna lie, though. I thought they were sisters. I, I wish they'd made it clear, a little clearer earlier on. Yeah. Because I I thought Susan had two sisters. And then they're getting ready in the same yeah. sort of house. And then they're going mm-hmm. on holiday together. And then I realised. I was like, oh. Which I actually think it's... it's I'm a bit of a hypocrite. Because... Obviously I don't want I wanna be in a position where they don't make a big song and dance about it and they're just shown to be a happy couple mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't feel like it has to be explained. But also I kind of wish it had been explained earlier, <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't confused about the relationships. <laughs>
0: uh later Jay confronts David about an apparent lie regarding his college history and David clubs him with a vase and suffocates him with a plastic bag. Susan has drinks with Jackie and her girlfriend Leah. In very Real housewife style. Yeah, it's, it's, re-
1: it's very Real Housewives. Drinks with the girlies. Drinks with the girlies. Spilling the tea.
0: Jackie asks if uh, Susan is sure about David because she knows nothing about him and is suspicious that he quit his job on the same day he needed to provide photo ID. Mm-hmm. Susan is just sick of people trying to make her feel suspicious of David. She's a moron. She is. Like, I mean, all the red flags are there. So many red flags. He tried to choke your son. Yeah. trying to avoid showing photo ID. Come on. Yeah. David sends Michael a text with Jay's phone saying that he did checks on David and he checked out okay. Uh, something new in this, technology. Yeah. Technology yeah. has advanced since 1987, so we can bring mobile phones into it. When the neighbor's body is discovered two weeks later, David tells the family. Michael is alarmed because he overheard David being told by the mailman, who gave less details about the death than David did. David gets a call from Jackie asking him for the ID because she still needs it for tax forms. And he gets really annoyed with her and says he'll see what he can do. Michael says, Oh, it's a shame what happened with the neighbor. And David's like, Accidents happen. It's probably just her time. Like, okay, come on. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Subtlety. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst Kelly tries to get him to uh, focus on college applications. Michael grows more obsessed with the contradictions in David's stories. When David leaves to pick up Sean and Beth, Michael and Kelly search for his stuff. David gets a call from Susan telling him she's picking the kids up early. and Well, she's picking the kids up herself. So he turns the car around and goes home early, nearly catching Michael and Kelly going for his belongings. Oh, Intense? Intense. It's... it's... In fairness,
1: I mean, it's generic by this point. You know, it's 2009, that kind of thing. We see it
0: all the time Mm -hmm. in horror. So, yeah, it's fine. That night at dinner, David hallucinates and sees the family as his previous family who were murdered. Michael, because it's 2009... Michael calls Kelly to tell her he's just about ready to give up on his suspicions about David. But when the call ends, David tells him to stop sneaking around and implies they'll get him sent back to military school if he keeps doing it. Ooh. This leads Michael to check David's computer, find the America's Most Wanted article, and realise that the drawing does, in fact, look like David. I thought he graduated military school. I don't know, he's going to get sent well, back. How can we even sent back if he graduated? Kelly gets upset at Michael, obsessing over David again, and storms off from him. David speaks to her and also implies to her that he'll get Michael sent back to military school if he doesn't start behaving better. The situation comes to a head when David intercepts an email from Jackie about hiring an investigator. He then goes to Jackie's house and drowns her in the pool. Poor Jackie. Because, I mean, even the gays aren't safe. Uh, What, in horror? (laughs) Apparently. Wow. (laughs) Gays aren't safe in horror? Who knew? Um, Oh, in in Scream 4, as a rule that they were safe.
1: Apparently. But that, that was never. Oh, I suppose it was. Yes. In 5. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, 6. And 6. No, 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 it's not. No, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. No spoilers, but that, yeah. Oh. A homosexual character does get it. Oh. Maybe more than one. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, rest in peace. Saying,
1: oh, yeah, sorry, what was I saying? <laughs> I'm thinking about gay characters now in uh, in horror films. Um, yeah, what was I saying? What were you saying? Oh, when we were watching, it kind of looked like her face under the water was CGI. Yeah, I don't know, there was I... a weird lighting choice, or she was like pretending to mm. be drowning. It, it was kind of weird. If anybody knows. Well I'm Where, sure she was anybody... definitely pretending to be drowning, her. I don't know if she was yeah, actually drowning. <laughs> she but not in water. Yeah. I, I just thought it looked a bit
0: weird. It looks like the Jason X scene. Which would be CGI. I don't know. I don't her head going underwater wasn't. No. No. I think it's just how it looks underwater. It's just Really? Weird. Yeah, just the lighting choices. Okay. If anyone knows, let me know. Um these deaths are fucking tame. I know we have a they whole are. section to uh, compare on, but fucking hell. Mm. So tame. Determined to discover what was in the locked cabinets, Michael breaks into the basement as Kelly keeps a lookout. In the basement, he finds his dad's body in a freezer. Ooh. David knocks out Kelly and traps Michael in the basement. This all awakens Susan after half a sleeping pill, and he berates her parenting skills and says that he thought she could be Mrs. Grady Edwards. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and then fuck we, is Grady Edwards? And then we get the famous moment, the famous scene, where he's like, wait a minute. Who am I here? Susan tries to snap him out of it by saying his name, causing him to say, David, I'm David Harris. Susan realizing the situation after noticing the unconscious Kelly flees to the bathroom, locking herself in. And uh, when he breaks in, he shatters the mirror behind the door. Susan picks up a shard of the mirror, holding it behind her, and she stabs him in the neck with it. Yeah, so, yeah, good for her. Yeah, good for her. He falls to the floor, apparently dead. And then everyone's like, David's dead. Not that, David. <laughs> My ex-husband. Michael escapes from the basement and finds Kelly. They find Susan in the hallway across from the bathroom, thinking David's dead. Just like Tiffany Park. <laughs> <laughs> he's Dave... not dead, he's asleep in the bedroom. Then David approaches from behind and blocks the stairs, chasing all of them up into the attic where he and Michael have a scrap. They...
1: Scrap? Scrap.
0: <laughs> By the, way says... you, by the way you walked in it I thought me
1: and you were going to have a scrap scrap <laughs> who wrote your notes Charles Dickens
0: you know having a scrap Cheryl Cole Cheryl Cole <laughs> scrap. both fall onto the roof and then off the edge of the roof onto the ground where they lie unconscious when Michael wakes up, he finds out that he had been in a coma for just over a month. Oh no. He learns that David is still alive and fled the scene before the police arrived. Oh no. The ending scene shows David, who has slightly changed his appearance by growing his sideburns out. That's literally all he's done. That is. He looks lit. the exact same. Yes. Uh, and he's changed his name to Chris Ames. He's working at a hardware store when he meets he's working at BQ. When he meets a woman who is shopping with her two sons, and as they shake hands, we get the filter cover of Happy Together by the Turtles playing, and the end credits start to roll. Oh. That
1: cover is fucking awful. It's terrible. It really is bad. It's no offense to Filter, but oh my god, guys, come on. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan.
0: Uh yeah, that's the stepfather.
1: Yeah, that's the stepfather. That's alright. It's it's fine. I have to say I got a little bored by the end. Mm. Um mm. as you can probably tell from my responses to Gary's questions. Um not not on the podcast, I mean the film. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it, it very generic. It is. It it took some of the good bits from the original and then I don't know, modernized it but Yeah. It didn't. I just. I just thought it was very plain, very boring. Nothing to help it stand out. Um, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. okay. It just it exists. It exists. I, I. I won't remember it in a few months'
0: time. No. You know, Do we watch that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to the comparisons first. That we have cinematography, scares, kills, and soundtrack. 1987, as we've said before, you know, the cinematography makes it look like a standard American drama, uh, which makes the scenes of horror so much more effective. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a deliberate choice. I feel like it is. I really feel like it is, because it's a strange choice, like, to go down. Um, but I feel like it's deliberate to throw people off. There's almost like a false sense of security there. Maybe. Which also kind of goes with the weird humour we get as well. Yeah,
1: It reminded you know what I'm talking about? That kind of filtered look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of giving me... I know this sounds weird, but, like, the ice cream man. Yeah. The, the Clint Howard one. And,
0: and single white female is not too different. Single white female. You know? Yeah,
1: that's that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I yeah. really
1: love that kind of look.
0: Yeah, and with how, like, bright and white the American houses are and everything, it really adds to it, and it's just kind of like, this isn't the place where you'd expect to see all this horror going down, which I mean, maybe it's saying something in a way that it's based on a true story. I was like, this did go down in somewhere like this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I mean, it's a a tale as old as time, Mm. um, when it comes to horror films and films in general, the, um, sort of darkness under the surface of the Mm. suburban all American household. Yeah. You know, this you know, this isn't far removed from something like Blue Velvet, mm-hmm. you know, which does that perfectly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I loved the way that the film looked. I loved the way it was the, the shots of the suburban surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um I loved the empty house scene, yeah. the way that looked. Um, yeah, yeah, really appreciated it.
0: Kills are fine, I'm mean, Nagori. They're, they are, you know, you get you get a fair amount of gore here, um, and it's very very intense. Yeah, yeah,
1: i I, thought, I I appreciated the the dark humor, but I I did think there were moments of intensity and and kind kind of scary.
0: Yeah, and I love the score. I, I really think the score is really really good. I love the sort of uh, synth led score that you get in the eighties, but again. Not too far from Goosebumps.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, really loved it. I'd love to get it on vinyl, because we are those people.
0: And 2009, you know what we're going to say. It brings us absolutely no pleasure to tell you again. It's that generic cinematography, generic creepy soundtrack. Whenever he's on screen, you know he's evil, because the soundtrack tells you so, and it just looks like every other film. I mean, it sounds like we're repeating ourselves, but it genuinely does. The... Built on this era, these sort of forgettable remakes—they all took the same fucking thing. And I think it's why stuff like the Hills of Eyes and Texas Chainsaw Massacre stood out. So they went for something a little more grittier, a little more dirty and sweaty. And this just looks like prom night. It looks like When a Stranger Calls. You know it. It yeah. It looks like audio. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, no. I'm
1: not. I'm not really. Uh... I didn't go to film school. I don't really know my terms too well. Um, Polished. Yeah. yeah. Polished. But the chokehold that that kind of filter and that kind of cinematography had on these horror remakes is
0: insane. Yeah. Like music video, polished TV show. Um, Yeah. It has its intense moments every now and then. Yeah. I think they they were onto something. I think they knew how to build suspense, but it doesn't always pay off, and the kills are just boring. I just yeah, I I kind of I wish they had
1: upped the camp factor. Yeah. I just if if you're going if you're going to throw an old lady down the stairs, come on. Yeah, but bring some camping. If you're if you've been assigned a PG thirteen, mm. so you can't go too intense. Just make it more fun. Yeah. Make it make it silly. Yeah. Or make it camp like a TV movie of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, up that factor. Get the gays and girls more involved. Mm-hmm. If you can't, up the gore and up the violence and up the intensity. Yeah. And it just, it kind of, on all counts, just, if, I'm shrugging my shoulders for anyone who can't see me. And I hope you can't see me. Because it's just there. Mm. It's like okay, it's it's not god awful, but it's not good. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: So that being said, the original
1: one Yeah, yeah, just
0: yes. That brings us to characters. We have a very short character section for this episode because only really three main characters to compare. It's true. We have the Jerry Blake and David Harris character played by Terry Quinn in nineteen eighty seven and Dylan mm. Walsh in two thousand nine. Now, Terry O'Quinn, he really perfected this role. Mm. Like he is so 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 good. Like this is top tier horror performance. He is terrifying. But I I, but also kind of charming as yeah, well. Yeah, that's the thing. His switch between happy all American father to unhinged madman, he somehow makes it completely believable. Like he is so good at both.
1: I yeah, I think he did a really good job. And I don't think he was particularly well known before <laughs> the stepfather. What I kind of know him for was Lost. Mm. Yeah. Um. And that's he won an Emmy for that. But I don't mm. think he was that well known. Yeah. Really. And I I think he did a, a great job. Uh, Dylan Walsh. I think he's really good as well. Also, actually, think he might be the best thing about yeah the, the remake. Oh, because I actually do think he did a good job. This was in the middle of Nip Tuck, mm. which I also two series that I started and never finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I actually do think he did a good job, and he
0: yeah, because he's also believable as that yuppie as a American charming guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: He's more conventionally handsome, mm. let's say, um, but they both do the charm factor very well.
0: Yeah, I think Terry O'Quinn outdoes him slightly. Though. I I think so. I do think so, so. We'll give the award to him. Next, we have Susan, played by Shelley Hack in 1987, and Celia Ward in 2009. Now, this is a difficult one, because, I mean, in 1987, Shelley Hack doesn't get a lot to do. She doesn't. She's good when she is on the screen, but her character, you know, I actually don't think she's as well-rounded and well-written as Celia Ward's character in mm-hmm. 2009. Uh, she gets so much more to do. And I think she delivers a really good performance.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, th- I think Susan in the original is barely there. Mm-hmm. She's she's not as um, interesting as the other characters, and I don't know why. But Susan in the remake is more well-rounded. Yeah. She's more of a actual human being, and you care a bit more about her. Um, both of them are incredibly frustrating when it comes to red flags yeah. but i suppose because there's a little more character development in the remake you care about her a little more and you, you sort of understand her a little bit more yeah despite the frustrations at their decisions
0: so the only award that's going to go to the remake yes and finally, we have Stephanie and we have Michael. In, G- in 1987, it's Jill Sholan And in 2009, it's Penn Badgley. Um, yeah, Stephanie is a fantastic female lead character. She knows her shit and she gets shit done. She, do- she does. She does. Um,
1: She's fully on
0: her side. You know, She starts yeah. back to school. She knows what she wants. She's a bit of a bad bitch
1: she is actually she is I, i'd like to have seen more of her actually as as well um I, I don't say this very often but i think the film could have done with being a little longer yeah you don't hear that from me too often um but yeah i i liked how she was a um a bad girl mm-hmm. in school getting herself expelled and and such yeah
0: and you know a girl who wants to get her way with Paul, she wants a boyfriend, or Pete, should I say. She wants a boyfriend. She is, you know, a bad girl in school. Not often you get that for a final girl in the 80s.
1: No, it's true. She wasn't the, uh, the good girl, you know. Good girl, virgin. She wasn't the Laurie Strode. Yeah. Who uh, <laughs> loses it over uh, leaving a science book. Yeah.
0: Uh, Pen Badgley gives the most generic performance you'll ever see in I just, just...
1: I hated his character so much. I just, I wasn't on his side. Um, I found him incredibly annoying. Mm -hmm. The performance was meh. Um, Yeah, I just,
0: yeah. So, the original wins again. Yes. Now, for our final comparisons. Well, they're not really comparisons. It's the awards. The awards. Biggest queen is going to be Stephanie. The original for everything we just said. I completely agree. Biggest gasp, I've got the reveal of the family's corpses in the opening scene of the original.
1: I <laughs> I went with the reveal of the penis in the uh, well,
0: opening scene of the original. Yeah. Best dialogue, it's got to be Jerry's... Wait a minute, who am I here in the original?
1: Yeah, that is um, iconic. I did go with... Just to be a little different. I want to ask you something. Are you
0: interested in buying a house? Or are you interested in me? <laughs> And finally, that's camp. I have Stephanie listening to Run Between the Raindrops by Pat Benatar to drown out the noise of her mum and Jerry having sex in the original.
1: There's no doubt in my mind, Pat Benatar, high camp.
0: And so with that being said, the original is the winner. Yes. Yes. And for our ratings for both, 1987, I give it nine noise-cancelling Pat Benatar songs out of ten.
1: I gave it eight giant copies of Cosmopolitan out of ten.
0: And 2009, I gave it five generic late 2000s rock songs played over scenes of Unnecessary PDA out of 10.
1: (laughs) I gave it five coconut heads out of 10.
0: And if you want to watch both films, then you will have to head on to VOD for the original and DVD and video on demand for the remake. Oh, the,
1: just DVD. Yeah. Ooh. The
0: original is really long overdue a physical media release in the UK.
1: Absolutely.
0: Like, I mean, come on. Why why is there not a trilogy box out yet from Arrow? I don't know. That's good. Wasn't an actual question. Uh, if you enjoyed the original, I recommend checking out The Guest. If you enjoyed the
1: original, I recommend checking out Serial Mom.
0: And if you enjoy the remake, just go and watch Disturbia, because it's pretty much the same thing.
1: <laughs> I haven't seen Disturbia, so I kind of went the Hitcher
0: remake for more mid-2000s rock anthems. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and with that being said, yes, go and watch the original Stepfather. And if you want to watch a remake, watch it. If not, you're not missing anything at all. I'm not your stepdad. You can do whatever you like. With that being said, Ooh. it's time for our best and worst new releases of the month. Oh, and it's been a good one. It has, obviously, let's just get it out of the way. Of course, our best of the month's Barbie. Like, it's Barbie. We're homosexuals. What can I say? Oh, yeah, it's Barbie. It's, it's Barbie. Barbie. It's really
1: fucking close, though. But it is Barbie. close.
0: It is close. Um, I mean if you haven't heard about this film yet, you've been living under a rock, but it is perfection and it is just, it's strong messages, amazing performances, amazing soundtrack. It looks incredible. Just go and watch this film. It does that thing that I love. It entertains
1: and it's got layers to it. And it's just
0: uh, makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Yes. For our worst of the month, we are cheating a little. It's not a new release, but it was a new release last year. And we're saying it now because it would have been one of our worst of the months last year. That's it's day. true. It is They Slash Them. Yes. Which we watched for the Unbound Rewound podcast. Go check it out. Um, And yeah, it's, it's just shit. It's fucking awful. Great premise. You know, great idea. I'm sure the intentions are all good. But oh my god. God is it fucking boring. It was. it was it was very disappointing.
1: Extremely disappointing. Um, but you'll hear
0: our opinions when you go over and listen to uh, Exactly the episode. As for honourable mentions, Asteroid City could have easily been best of the month if this Barbie is didn't exist.
1: Very close. I loved Asteroid City. I love the way it looks, I love the performances, I love the soundtrack, I loved Everything. I mm-hmm. really, really loved that film.
0: Yeah. The entire Mission Impossible franchise. We did. We watched all of those and it was it. a lot of fun.
1: It w- it it was. It was. Yes. Uh Joyride. Oh, Joyride was a lot of fun, yeah, actually. Was yeah. Great. Sorry. It's, um, secret screenings? Not secret
0: screening. Advanced screenings. Advanced screening. Advanced screening. Yeah. Um I'm, I'm not mentioning any Ray Dennis Tecler films. No. <laughs>
1: You can listen to our podcast episode you want to hear our and, opinions on Ray Dennis Steckler.
0: Yeah. Uh, aside from that, though, we also had uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer. I don't know why I struggle to remember that. I mean, yeah. we always spoke about Barbie. Of course, the double bill. We did the double bill.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I was... I I appreciated it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was fine. Yeah, it was good. It was
0: good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's a film about the creation of the nuclear bomb. What's, what? There's not more to say. At you know. the
1: end of the day, if if you've listened to even this episode of the, our podcast, you'll understand that we really appreciate female stories. Yeah. Stories about women. That's that's what we really like in films. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's personal preference, but you know, that's what we really enjoy. Oppenheimer is not a film it's not. about women. It is not a film that even cares about women. So I was a little disappointed in that. But everything else I thought was fantastic. Do
0: you know what is a film about women and cares about women? Poltergeist free. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, yeah, it was. It was alright. It was alright. And <laughs> finally, another a contender for what could have been best film of the month if Asteroid City and Bowie didn't exist. It is Talk to Me. Yes yes you listen to a horror podcast uh, we know our shit i tell you now go and watch talk to me if you listen to this on the day of release then it is out today and go and see it because it is incredible and it is terrifying Actually, what i really
1: appreciated is that it didn't feel like it was going for the elevated horror no it just felt like this is horror you know good luck to you if liable to piss your pants yeah i actually genuinely and not many films scare me but i actually found this one incredibly creepy i cared about the characters which really helps yeah obviously and uh yeah i would fully fully recommend watching it when it, it comes out it, it does it's out now isn't yeah, it? It, yeah. Does
0: that now. it does that thing where you get dumb characters in a dumb in horror films doing dumb things but it still manages to make them likeable. It switches that around. Like initially you're like, oh my God, these guys are idiots. What the fuck are they doing? Absolutely. But it still makes you care about them, which is great filmmaking. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, these directors, they are guys to watch out for. That's for yeah. Some.
1: This is their first film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a, a little shout out to No Hard Feelings.
0: Fuck, yeah, of course. No oh. hard feelings absolutely deserves Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. who
1: is amazing yeah. in that film. No hard feelings was so good.
0: So good. She is incredible.
1: She is I I've always thought she was hilarious in interviews. Mm. Um but she's really shown it on the screen. I thought she yeah. was really, really funny.
0: No, that is a film that was better than it had any right to be. Yeah, so yeah.
1: I was a little nervous going into it, and then after I was like, oh no, I was
0: yeah. fully entertained. Yeah. Well, with that being said, that is this month's original versus remake episode done. If you are a fan of the stepfather, you want to talk about any of our highlights of the month, then we are Trash Trashover on Facebook and Instagram, Horracle Trash on Twitter. I'm DeadOutGaz92 on Letterboxed, GazMo205 on Instagram, and gazcruise 92 on Twitter.
1: I'm Chris barker 823 on Instagram and
0: Letterboxd. And give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like and follow on everything else, and a on Spotify. For next month's Original Versus Remake episode, as a Summer Scream special, we will be visiting the island of Dr. Moreau for a special threesome. Oh, that's...
1: Could be the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, starting
0: with <laughs> Island of Lost Souls and then Dr. Moreau 77 and Dr. Moreau 96.
1: Yes, really looking forward to watching those. Films. I can't wait to dig into the history of the 90s. Oh, which, don't. It?
0: It Sounds fucking <laughs> wild. And on Tuesday, we'll be kicking off Summer Screams with The Legend of, Continues Boggy Creek 2. Yeah. <laughs> Chris's choice. Remember that.
1: My choice. My choice. I mean, we haven't even watched the first we watched one. The, well, yeah, yeah. We'll have to watch the first one. Hopefully, you know what's one. going on.
0: Yeah. It, it's technically the third one, but the director didn't like the sequel, so he decided to ignore it. Oh sure. The original oh, requel. So we'll be back same time, same place <laughs> Bye. on the oh, horroful trash Over beach on Tuesday.
1: <laughs> Bye.